What's up, Lucky Lefty Nation? This is the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am the guy, Sean Davis. Of course, that guy right there, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. As always, we are brought to you by Honora Whiskey, featuring Honora Whiskey. Go to honorawhiskey.com, get that premium American whiskey. Also, you need to go to honorawhiskey.com today, buy you a bottle, and then post it on social media. Tag at Lucky, Lucky Lefty Pod or tag Malik Zaire 8 or at Overtime Malik on Twitter or Instagram with the receipt so we can put you in the drawing on Friday for Fiesta Bowl tickets. That's, That's right. right. Lucky Lefty Podcast is giving away Fiesta Bowl tickets. The drawing will be Friday live on the show. All you need to do is buy a bottle of that premium America, American whiskey. Go to anorawhiskey.com. Take a picture of you or the receipt or you with the bottle. Send it to Malik and tag it at Lucky Lefty Pod on Instagram or Twitter or at Overtime Malik on Instagram and at Malik Zaire 8 on Twitter. Tag any one of those on Instagram and Twitter. And you'll be in the drawing to win Fiesta Bowl tickets. Hey, that's what we do right here. We spin it different on the Lucky Podcast. Great show today. We look forward to having a special guest at the top of the second hour. Former Notre Dame wide receiver and now a double A affiliate for the Los Angeles Angels. Torrey Hunter Jr. He's going to be joining us. And I didn't know that he was originally from the bluff. So I have a lot of questions. You know, I got a lot of family down in the bluff. Oh, yeah. I'm going to ask him about that. And he's going to settle this for us, dude. We're going to get Tori to settle the oatmeal raisin chocolate chip for us. I don't think you're going to find anybody my age agreeing with no oatmeal raisin. (laughs) Yo, of course, we're going to have the petty story of the day. We'll load up the petty train. We got some good news. We got some videos from... Uh, Cam Hart, Mike Mickens, and Chris O'Leary talking about some very important things. Yesterday, let's just start off with this before we get to talking about the offensive line of Notre Dame versus the defensive line of Oklahoma State. Yesterday, we kind of ended the show and we were talking about uh, which positional group would be the breakout positional group in 2022. And, you know, I went out there on a limb. And a lot of you guys that were listening and chimed in later on when you watched the show said, Sean, man, yeah, you you took a big swing with that one. But what we've seen, and I will get to Chris O'Leary in a minute, what we've seen is Notre Dame defensively under Marcus Freeman. Really not – they're really playing positionless football in recruiting. And even if you look at the linebackers they took in this class, Three of the linebackers, one played wide receiver and was all state and led the state in receiving yards. And then the other two were starting quarterbacks and won championships playing starting quarterback and linebacker. So Marcus Freeman in the defensive side of the ball, and this might go for the entire roster as they move forward in recruiting. They're really about going out and getting the best athletes. And once we get them, We'll fi- we'll figure out how to get them on the field. Yeah, I think that's that's the 
the future of what football is heading to. I didn't know that the, the all-stars were all-stars on both sides of the football. I've seen that happen a lot more when I was coaching high school football is that everybody's playing everything. So our quarterback would play safety. Yeah. You know, our D linemen would play tight end. Receivers is playing uh, some, some corner and some linebackers. So this is the, the, the backyard mixed with all the uh, evolution of the athlete as it's been going. Like, you know, we started seeing the quarterback position with guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Now you're seeing safeties that can play linebacker and linebackers that can play DN like a Michael Parsons. So you're seeing the evolution, the value of guys being positionless, and it makes it hard to scheme against that. So going to what Marcus Freeman's been doing, he's making his defense more bulletproof, having guys being able to play different positions and guard different matchups. It's sort of like we talked about the NBA is positionless. Everybody's switching. The one through five can guard each other. And that's similar to what we're trying to form here. One through five can guard each other. We can go a heavy run stop, and we can be able to have some length to break up some of the pass game, uh, make some plays down the field, and also try to get turnovers. The game is about turnovers, and the way you do that is with freaky athletes, and that's what we're being able to build. And I think a lot of it, too, is based off of that Jeremiah Rusu build, a guy that can play all three linebacker positions and some of the secondary. So that's been very attractive for scouts. And when guys see guys coming down the line like a Jeremiah Rusu, a Jalen Smith, a Romeo, a Quora, uh, you know, the list goes on, a Dalen Hayes, a Khalid Kareem, those are guys that can play multiple different things and it's worked out for them. On the, on the professional side as well. And a lot of people get caught up with 40 times, especially when it comes to playing DB or wide receiver. But when you're looking at, especially a defensive back, you want instincts. Like yeah. if you can run, that's cool. But when the ball is in the air, if you can't make a play on the ball or recognize that the ball is in the air and be able to cover and at the same time know when to put your left hand up or know when to put your right hand up, that's instinctual. And you have to be a competitor. Those are the traits that you're looking for. And when you see guys like Xavier Watts come from the offensive side of the ball, go to Rover, and then go to safety and find his niche. When you see guys like that, in the past, we talked about, you see a guy like Kamari Russell, who came to Notre Dame, originally as a running back wide receiver, ends up starting as a freshman due to injury at cornerback, and stays there for the rest of his career and goes to the NFL in that position. He's an instinctual football player. He's a playmaker. Might not be the fastest, but he's a playmaker. And that's what you need in those type of positions, guys that are instinctual, that can see the field, defend, be physical, and make plays. And that's what you also get when you talk about the identity of the team. Marcus Freeman was going into these meetings and these press conferences talking about the identity being competition. And when you're bringing in these positionless guys, it's really like you're throwing in a bunch of fish in the barrel and yeah. trying to see who's the top dog, and, and it'll figure itself out. So a guy like J.D. Bertrand, he's in the mix with safeties. He's in the mix with linebackers. Everything. So the, the, the competition in that defensive room is going to be great because now it's about who can make the most plays, who are screen poppers, on defensive film and what we're looking at 
And then those are the guys that are going to play. I don't think it's going to be, all right, I got a safety group. I got a linebacker group. It looks like you're just going to have a defense that's who's running the fastest to the ball, who's making open field tackles. And that's, and that's an easy and, and awesome way of, of going about coaching a, a new way of defense. Plus, offensively, we should take the same type of route. You know, you talk about screen poppers and making dynamic plays on offense. You know, getting guys like a Michael Mayer and getting guys like a Kevin Austin and a Jaden Price, these are the type of athletes that we're looking for moving forward, and it has to go to the quarterback position as well. I think having somebody that can move around, even catch a couple of Philly specials, you know, just to add it to the repertoire, just to make us more dangerous is something that uh, is really the trend in which we're heading in Notre Dame football. Yeah, I want to share something right quick before we get to Chris O'Leary. Dude, check this out. So Fox Sports put this up, and this is according to 247 Sports. The most talented New York Six Bowl teams. These are just the teams in the college football playoffs, NY Six Bowls. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Georgia. Number three, Ohio State. Number four, who? Who's number four? Who's the fourth most talented team? The people we always thought. The usual suspects. You can't recruit. They don't have talent. The narrative we hear all the time, Notre Dame's fourth. Michigan is fifth. Ole Miss, sixth. Utah, which is shocking, but the success they've had, you would have to think they've done very well getting talent. They're seventh. Pitt, eighth. Michigan State, Mel Tucker, ninth. Baylor's tenth. Oklahoma State is 11th. So once again, we talk about this, and everybody talks about, man, we think this is going to be a tough game. That defensive front is tough. Notre Dame is its not even close. Notre Dame's more talented than Oklahoma State, and it's yes. not close. It's not close. It's not close. Cincinnati comes in 12th behind them. Now the they're not close. The difference between Cincinnati – in my opinion, and Oklahoma State is one. They have two lockdown corners. Yeah, that means everything. The other difference is this isn't the same Kevin Austin. This isn't the same Kevin Austin. I don't know where my bro just went. He just dropped out quick. Kevin Austin is a totally different dude going into this bowl game than he was going into that Cincinnati game. So that being said, look at that again, Alabama. Georgia, screen poppers. Ohio State, screen poppers. Now, look at the difference when you go from the top three down to Notre Dame and the rest of the field. One five-star for Notre Dame. Three five-stars for Michigan. One five-star for Ole Miss. You got Alabama in the teens, 14. Georgia has 19 five-stars. Ohio State has 16. That's That shows you the difference. Right there, that shows yes. the difference. It yes. drops from like double digit five stars and screen poppers to Notre Dame and four with just one. We have literally just, and that's defining the problem that we said we need to make the step up. That's the clear difference in the college football world. When you're in the teens and five stars, you're automatically, automatically a top five team in the country. We always have trouble putting ourselves in that conversation because it comes down to that alone right there. We can recruit everything else 
everything else but the LeBrons and KDs of the world to come to Notre Dame. So we always have that missing piece. People wonder what the missing piece is when we go into these playoffs every year and look like we can't compete. It's because of that graphic right there. We have one five-star compared to 15, 16, 17 five-stars that are that are those 15, 16, 17 are starters. <laughs> those are 15, 16, 17 guys. Those guys are on the field. So I'm all about, look, those are – and see, this is the difference. Now, this is the perfect. You know how in basketball you get the guy that comes off the bench that dives everywhere, yeah. right? And people are like, oh, man, I love him. Like, he yeah. tries really hard. He plays so hard. And I'm like, Michael Jordan didn't play hard? <laughs> like, why not get the guy that's uber talented that plays uber hard talented. too? Yeah. I don't need the guy that's kind of talented. Yeah, the guy you gotta you gotta catch on a good night that happens to get in, and he just you're like, who is that guy? We don't need a who is that guy. We need a oh, that's that guy. He's that guy. He's him. People, we want the guy that people don't pay the tickets to see. And it's so we want the guy on his team that's that's passing him the ball. We don't want the guy shooting it. We want the guy that's passing him the rock. (laughs) And it's it's crazy because people get. People love the underdog, or they love the guy that has to play super hard, or that wasn't the five star, that was the three star, and all of a sudden has become this fantastic player. I mean, Kyle Hamilton, you know, he jumped up to a four, four star late in his senior season, and you see what he's turned into. It's a great story, but man, what's wrong with going to get the top safety? Yeah. Right? What's wrong with having a uh, shooter? What's wrong? Go get that dude. That's a screen popper immediately. And we don't have anything to reserve on on no. holding us back anymore either. You know, I think Coach Kelly was taking so much of the Bill Belichick playbook of getting cogs in the system and guys that they can bring out of nowhere and be like, look at how smart I am. I was able to find this talent. To where Marcus Freeman is in win-now comp- competition mode to where Mm-hmm. Those five star safeties and those five star quarterbacks, the 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 bat the bat signals up. <laughs> the bat signal, literally, the bat signals up. It's yeah, up. we didn't have it up before. With the bat signals up, we're looking for somebody to move into the city and start kicking butt on crime. You know, we really ready for the uh, and the and the door is open for those type of guys and that type of talent to walk through the door because Marcus Freeman is no reservation. I mean, he's young in the game. Yeah. To where he knows where college football is heading on the recruiting side. He knows the ins and outs on a, a fresher take on things. And so he's going to play ball like the rest of the guys that have adjusted in the game. Yep. So first question from Better Agency. Appreciate you for tagging in this morning. Yo, Malik, Jackson Arnold, 2023 quarterback from Texas, looks like the real deal. And it seems like he's high on Notre Dame. What are your thoughts on him? Uh, actually, let me put the link. We actually did a show, a 15-minute show earlier in the season on the junior tape. Jackson Arnold was included. So I just put the link in the chat. Yeah, we did a show on Jackson Arnold, Nico, I'm a believer, um, Dante Moore, and I forget the other two guys, the kid from Kansas. That's high on Notre Dame as well. We did five quarterbacks. So I just put the link to that show in the chat. Check it out. 
uh, when we're done. But go ahead, Jackson Arnold. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched too much tape of Jackson Arnold, but what I do, I, I have a, a different opinion on Texas quarterbacks in general. I think the state is a huge farm system where, you know, you can really be hit or miss. These guys are going to put up the numbers in Texas that are crazy, and they're probably going to have some crazy builds to them. But, you know, a lot of those Texas quarterbacks don't usually go as far as I would like. One, because they just they just they always feel like they're missing something. You know, they always feel like a Texas quarterback just missing something. Like outside of what you're looking at, you just it's like what is he what is he missing? I wouldn't say it's necessarily accuracy, I wouldn't say it's the big arm, but it's something that he it's just like the Cowboys. The Cowboys are always missing something. And you know, I think they are great prospects out of high school. It's just how are we gonna use them? Most Texas quarterbacks stay in Texas because that's the system they grow up in. But it's interesting to see how a Texas quarterback adjusts to what we're doing at Notre Dame, which is very multiple, which is not really the skill set of Texas quarterbacks in general coming out of high school as a multiple set. You get a lot of spread guys, a lot of read option guys, a lot of RPO, throw it deep, chuck them in, in haul them type of plays. So getting that quarterback that can be in that multiple set and do different styles is, is probably a reason why we haven't recruited too many Texas quarterbacks. I mean, Texas quarterbacks, even when they try to leave, they end up going right back. They end up going right back. They, they end up transferring right back. They, I think it's just something about Texas. The same way with California, they, it's hard for them to leave what is, what is perceived to be the best place for his football. Yeah, the Burmeister kid – Another California kid, he's actually in the transfer portal, the kid that we played against when we went up there to Virginia Tech. Yeah. He was – he. I don't, I don't know if impressive was the word. No, he was He was just good. He was, he was, he was all yeah, right. He, kept, he was like the only quarterback other than Desmond Ritter that was consistent in getting outside of the contain yeah. of the Notre Dame pass rush. Yeah, he was able to – and it was like the – Oh, we let him out again, you know. Right. Oh, we, we bailed him out. We bailed him out. And and those are some of the exciting plays that you see from California quarterback, though. Like those style of quarterbacks, they're the Aaron Rodgers, I'm gonna run around. I'm I've been to the quarterback trainer all my life. So there's there's an element that they have to him and which he had in the game, which makes it tough for all top defenses now. Yeah. You talk yeah. about Alabama, you talk about Georgia. What Bryce did in that Georgia game outside of him throwing it was his ability to run when he needed to. And it gave Georgia real problems, which opened up the pass game. So we've seen it happen to the great defenses in college football, especially championship styles. Even Alabama, when you get a quarterback that can run at least decently well enough, you got a chance. And do we have that at Notre Dame with Tyler Buckner? We might. You know, it's better than yeah. Jack. You know what I mean? But yeah, but Tyler just run too damn hard for me. <laughs> so safety's coach Chris O'Leary talked about the change in the recruiting style when they recruit DBs to Notre Dame, and also, you know, how well Xavier Watts has transitioned over to the safety position. Just it, it reconfirmed that relationships are everything. Um, building those relationships with guys and build them over a long period of time is what allows you to have success and sustain success in recruiting. Um, I've seen it with, you know, everybody in this program has really upped their game as far as communication and 
creating those genuine relationships. And I think that's why you're going to continue to see our recruiting just skyrocket. It's grown a lot and it's been fun to watch. Working with a guy like that and seeing his development from receiver to rover to safety and just seeing him find a home and have fun playing football, I mean, that's what it's all about. And the investment that he's put into getting better and watching film and learning the defense has been unbelievable. You know, I see him in the film room all the time spending extra and it's really showing on the field. And so when you get a chance to see moments where he's getting TFLs and big hits, like it's been, you know, some of the most fun I've had as a coach. Yo, this is one of the best environments you can have on a football team. And it's what we've heard about the practices, which is a competitive environment. And that's even amongst the coaches, right? So you have coaches watching, like, more than just their positions. You have coaches watching, like, every position group and how they move. And you have the DB coaches watching the wide receivers and saying, like, yo, they're not really using that. I think we can use them over here. Like, yes, fight over this dude. Like, Jaden Bellamy is coming in this year. Like, both sides are going to be fighting over this kid. Like, yo, we want him at receiver. No, 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 no. Bring him over here. And, that's, and that might, and that honestly might be the secret into keeping kids from transferring. Man. With the transfer portal being so hot. This is the the rarity of what recruiting that Marcus Freeman has brought in mixed with his competition style is that, like you said, now we're bringing in athletes, guys that are used to playing both sides of the football at high levels to where they may not be a five-star single position, but they're a four-star both-way player. So this would even help us in later in the season when we have these, uh, these injuries that have plagued us in seasons before. Now it's like, okay, Cam Hart, we need you at DB now. We didn't send you in the season, play a little bit. We sent you back over receiver. A couple guys that went down, come back over, and we don't miss a beat. So now we're turning into a team full of positionless players where coaching actually has to come in, and, and, and it has to be led in the right direction through competition, which Marcus Freeman is doing such a great job of to where now D-line playing O-line, Emil Wagner going both ways, Blake Fisher might go both ways. You got Cam Hart doing some both ways, Xavier Watts, and Jalen Sneed may even do some both ways. So just to see the team becoming or the team evolving right in front of our eyes, playing teams like Ohio State in the future and, and potentially Alabama's of the future, they don't seem that that treacherous because we know at least we got guys that can – play both ways and to develop a smarter football team. So when you talk about player development and guys playing on both sides of the football, you're talking about a total football player that we haven't seen before. Maybe it's a better development than what it will be just having a superstar position coach. And allows kids to feel more involved. Yeah. Like you're wanted. Like we want you. We just want to find the best way to get you on the field. That's what we're yeah. trying to do. We're trying to get you on the field. Xavier Watts talks yet talked yesterday and he spoke about how the move for him from receiver was immediately after the Florida State game, which is yeah. crazy, right? Because in the Florida State game, you're saying to yourself, okay, the wide receivers are cool. Marcus Freeman didn't like the outcome, didn't like the big plays. I think I can help over there. Right. So now he's scouting the roster, like, yo, can I take him? That's right. Over to this side. Oh yeah. So, we not, so kids aren't transferring to go to different schools. They just transfer in positions. 
So they now, can find value within the team other places. Yeah. That's that's a rarity because usually NFL you'll have to get accustomed to that. Right. But in college with a hundred plus kids, you don't need to leave school. You know, you stay get your degree from mama. You just didn't know you went from punter to receiver to tight end in your Notre Dame career. Right. And now you're in the league making more money as a utility guy. You know what I mean? So this is a, a beautiful move. And then but it takes the openness and it takes the competitive the competition to be driven. That it is possible. Shoot, if you lacking at receivers, should I go over there? You know, because we do it all the time on the team anyway. You know, half the DBs think they should be playing receiver. Mm-hmm. Half the linebackers be thinking they can throw better than me or something, or they can catch better than the tight. So you're getting the, the right team chemistry to go out and win in any environment because the guys know that they can cover for each other and they can they can compete with each other to, to feel more open. So beautiful development for our team. I think yesterday I saw a video of Notre Dame in a meeting, and they actually had a competition at the end of the meeting who had the highest bird, offense <laughs> or the defense. And they were doing jumps. Right, right in the hallway. Vertical jumps, just like, yo, but this is the type of stuff like that gets the juices flowing, like, yo, it creates a camaraderie. But at the same time, the switch is always on. That competitive switch is always on. So when you get into the game, you run through that tunnel on January 1st. It's like, okay, like we're juiced from the time we get on the bus. We're not trying to get juiced in the locker room. The time we wake up, we have a table in the morning, we eat breakfast. And we hit that bus, we're ready to go through the tunnel right now. That's like right. Right now. Because you've been competing all week. You've been all you know, week. doing everything from lifting and, yep. comp- and competing to little in-between breaks competition. Even, you know, your academics. When you're having fun constantly competing, you're only more excited to get to those games to punish the other team, which is the, the mindset we need going into this the, the seasons moving forward. I think Changing that mindset alone would make the team from an outside looking in feel like we're not just a good team. It'll give us some edge to make us feel like, oh, we can blow a team out this time. Like we're not just going in to make it a close game. So these night games are going to be more like mo- uh, movie openers, you know, because we're just going to be having a party all whole night. Facts. So one of those guys that moved from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball was Cam Hart. We did a great show in the preseason talking about we both believe that Cam Hart could be that number one defensive back that Notre Dame needed going into this season. And he definitely proved us to be correct in that assessment. And he talked about becoming a leader on yesterday in the program. Um, my experience philosophy is it's been fun. Um, we've been competing a lot, which is different than what I'm used to. And um, I, it's just been fun every day. Um, I think uh, I've grew, I've grown up a lot. Um, I've grown to a leader, I, I, I believe, and um, I've become a person that can help the younger guys um, come along and allow them to learn from the mistakes that I've made growing, growing into a defense and um, still have things to work on like everyone else, but I'm pretty comfortable with it. Now, it's crazy because you remember they did a lot of early in the season and this is just the adjustment, the minor adjustments in season, because we know Marcus Freeman is very good at adjustments in game. When he makes adjust- adjustments in season, whether it's grabbing a guy from the offense that he sees, you know, looking at the analytics, seeing who's more athletic, who has more speed, who works well in this position, and then being able to build his defense around that. 
He looked at Cam Hart, identified him when he got there, moved, moved him to the defensive side of the ball. Early in the season, if you look at the Florida State game, Cam Hart was traveling a lot with the number one receiver, the number one guy. This is your guy. This is your guy. Then they finally just said, you know what? Because tempo is really getting to us and teams that are going up tempo, that's when we have a lot of blown coverages and missed assignments. Cam, stay in the boundary. Yeah. You're the boundary corner. Clarence, you're the field. That's it. Mm-hmm. You got that. Now, safeties, linebackers, defensive line, do your thing. Shouldn't be any confusion. And that, you know, you start to see the defense come around. Of course, they play lesser teams and lesser offenses. We agree with that. We know that. But you saw a more cohesive unit, more production, and the defense just grew. But that comes from Marcus Freeman always wanting to enhance. You keep hearing this. He never got satisfied in the middle of the season with what they did against Wisconsin, what they did against Purdue defensively. They were playing well. He was always looking for enhancements. And I think after that USC-North Carolina game, he was, man, he was upset because it, it, it was known that Brian Kelly pretty much told him, look, I know what you want to do but we need you to be a little bit less aggressive against these two teams. We just don't want to give up the big plays. And because yeah, of right. the assignments, look at the big run that um, North Carolina had because of a missed assignment by the linebackers going into the wrong hole on a blitz. Backside run, 59 yards later, touchdown. North Carolina's back in the game when Notre Dame, if they get a stop there, they probably go up 21 points. So, Marcus Freeman is going to be him. He's constantly said that. He wants his players to be them, be yourselves, and just do the best that you can as you. If we're going to be aggressive, we're going to be aggressive, but we're going to be aggressive and disciplined. Right? You know, if Brian Christian was on here with us, he would immediately mention your boy BBG, right? It's one thing to be aggressive, but undisciplined. It's a totally different thing to be aggressive and to absolutely know what you're doing and play together as a unit. And the way that's going to come together is those guys talking and working with each other. I think Cam Hart said it best, being able to switch over and learning on a on a different type of level, as in just coming in as a DB yeah. and relying on guys around him, help him become a leader to help the younger guys get on board maybe a little bit faster. And that's the way you get disciplined when you have a team working together like that, especially if they're switching back and forth. There's a lot of communication going on if you got a lot of two-way players, a lot of guys switching positions. So that'll be good to be get the discipline down. We already know the competition, the juice, the energy is going to be there with the team and the defense specifically. So there are going to be moments, hopefully, where, you know, we may, we may jump out of position or blitz out of the wrong gap because we're too pumped and give up some explosive plays. But those explosive plays hopefully don't turn into 35, 40 points, and it's more like we give up seven, but we end up ending the game 10 to ten to 40-something, right? So yeah. uh, we want to minimize the, the casualty from these explosive plays, but the aggressive discipline is what you, what you get from a Georgia, what you get from a Clemson when they were really good, what you get from an Alabama on a year-to-year basis. That's the, the threshold we want to cross, and that's the type of defense they have are aggressive, disciplined defenses. You don't see – well, now you've seen Bama get 
bombed on a little bit more than usual. But before, you wasn't hitting Bama unless you really came with a game plan. And yeah. that's what our defense is going to look like moving forward. Yeah, Jaden Bellamy, Jaden Mickens, and also Benjamin Morrison, all DBs, all athletes, positionless. Uh, Mike Mickens talked about this. He doesn't know if they're going to end up at DB or safety. We know we got athletes and competitors, and we're going to find a way to get them on the field. And he talked about that a little bit yesterday. Uh, we'll start with Mickey, um, good player, football player, competitor. Um, it's going to be fun to coach him. Um, be here in a couple of weeks, so that'd be a great deal with it. Um, Jane Bellamy, another guy that'll be here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we call him the playmaker, where you see him on film doing receiver, safety, corner. Uh, just a football player that you know, wants to come in and compete. Very quiet, but uh, very good athlete as well. I mean, ben Morrison, uh, longer guy that's uh, played well on the outside, played uh, did a little bit of safety this year too as well, but it's just a football player. And that's what we want. We want three football players and uh, guys that want to compete, and uh, that's what they do. They have a competitive spirit uh, that we love. And that's what I'm talking about. Like you can go to Jalen Sneed. We said he played quarterback. He played linebacker. The majority <laughs> of the track, he played more safety than linebacker this year. Yeah, that, that's, that's crazy. crazy. That's At two twenty five. And Matt Bayless, he's gonna put about 10, 15 on him. He's gonna get him, he's gonna get him real big for sure. And and that's the thing I love because now when you talked about should Marcus Freeman let go of Dell Alexander or what's the case, I think this is the perfect opportunity where coaches actually have to earn their check. Because with positionless players, it's not even about recruiting your group anymore. Yeah. You gotta scout the team. Make sure the fit's right. Make sure the fit fits what you're doing. The technique crosses over and or it comes in and you develop the technique within the group. So now this will make the decisions easier for Marcus Freeman because if he's not developing that receiver group with the type of competition every day of practice that's going on, with the type of talent that we're bringing in, it's going to be obvious. It's going to be an obvious lack within his, within practice. So he'll be able to easier easily make that decision of are you getting the job done or not also i think this is making it more fun for the team being that not only do the coaches not know but the players don't know either they don't know what the recruiting class holds they're coming in as as all the things that they play they don't even know what they're gonna be so getting in that first ring practice is just gonna be let's put the hats on you know and, and see who's the last man standing or just competition drills i think for the spring being so monotonous, it'd be good to have more uh, team-organized competition. But that, that's like playing at the park as a kid with your boys, right? You all go to the park. You argue about who's going to be the quarterback, <laughs> right? For about 30 minutes. For about 30 minutes before you even start the game. You didn't have 13 tryouts, 13 right. guys, and try to throw it as far as they can. Exactly. <laughs> like, no, I'm a better quarterback. Watch this. Watch this. Run. <laughs> go, team, go, team. go through all of that. Just to figure out that you finally play the game, and yeah. ultimately you just want to play. You just want to get on the field. Yeah, and it always shakes out. It always shakes out. All right, you got one super chat. Thank you, Matt. 2011 GT as always. <laughs> Look, Malik is gonna be good, man. We're gonna be good, man. We just delivering that hot content. As long as you can get us and you can see us eye to eye, we good, baby. I'm gonna get back on top. 
Another question, Juan Lazada. Thank you for joining us this morning, Juan. Sean, I was wondering why can't Notre Dame get five-star athletes like Duke does in basketball? Okay, I see the academic correlation there. Doesn't Duke have high academic standards too? I know a b-ball roster is smaller, but still. Um, Duke has one of the most influential coaches in all of college basketball, not just basketball, but he was literally the coach of USA basketball, which means he had direct connection to all of the teams. That's the 14 and under, 15 and under, 16 and under, 17 and under. It was an unfair advantage, but he was able to see kids a lot earlier than other coaches and to get into their ears a lot earlier than other coaches. That was the advantage Duke has had for the past 15 years. Yeah. Point blank. Once Coach K got that Team USA job, he was already a good recruiter, a very good recruiter. Mm -hmm. It got even better once he got connected to Team USA and was able to be connected to the best players from, like, 13 and up. Yeah. So that helped mightily. There is no pipeline like that for Notre Dame. And recruiting Mm -hmm. Notre Dame is really kind of of on an island, but – I've said it. You've said it. Other people have said it. If you have a good coach at Notre Dame, they'll win. Like the brand is still the brand. And you I think it. And coach. I think it changes too. Like you said, the brand's the brand, and and winning changes a lot. I think that first that first step over that national championship, we get that one ring. Yeah. We don't start getting more five stars, but we don't want a fast food five stars either. Let's just be honest. That five star number propped up by Georgia, uh, Georgia's propped up. That's not an authentic five star recruiting trail. That's a bought and paid for mixed yeah. with some promises, mixed with a whole bunch of. That's an asterisk put. Now the I believe the real five stars numbers at Ohio State and Alabama because you've seen it over time. They've won championships. You got the NFL talent that's still playing today. And for Georgia to get that, to have damn near the the most five stars out of both schools, just shows that's a that's a fast food industry over there, and we'll see. But it hasn't turned out the the right type of talent that they need to win those games, even though they have the most five stars. And I don't want to see us go down that route either. I don't think this is the the bandwagon recruitment trail of Notre Dame. I think this is right. something that's here to stay. And, you know, we're not going to offer the same things you would at the fast food restaurant with the quick the quick meals and stuff. But we do know when we do get a couple five stars, they're going to be guys that are, are Hall of Fame remembering type of guys, too. And on top of that, man, we keep talking about this entire thing. And we'll get to the Notre Dame offensive line versus Oklahoma State. But this is just really good discussion about what Chris O'Leary and what Mike Mickens put out there yesterday. Because it's very important as we move forward and we start looking at what 247 broke down as far as the talent gap, you have to be able to at least – Notre Dame doesn't have to get up to double digits, right? No. You can – they can't compete with Alabama and Georgia like that. Yeah, that's – that's. do you know how ridiculous that is? 16? 16, 17. That's crazy. But what they have to do, what Notre Dame has to do, <laughs> is Notre Dame has to get seven, eight. Yeah. We just got to get half the number will be. Fun. That's it. It's seven, eight, nine. Get get that difference maker at quarterback. 
wide yeah, receiver. Yeah, we gotta have the right spots. Get a, a nice five star right. tackle, five star QB. You know, the five star tight end it isn't as isn't as effective in today's game. Yeah. You know, I know we're tight end you, but tight end you hasn't been giving us championship you either. No, and it won't. It won't. No. But if we have one five star receiver and a couple of uh, Robins to a Batman over there, we we we'll be cooking with something. But you definitely need one at quarterback. I think having one at safety like Kyle Hamilton is a great ingredient. Yeah. And you got one nasty D lineman. Like a Isaiah Fowski on yeah. or the bigger frame. Like he's gonna put a bigger frame on next year. He should be that five star presence that's that's freaking happy. Like a 31, what's his name? Williams from Alabama yeah. 31. Isaiah Fowski should have a season like that next year. And this is the crazy thing, bro. You have to remember what Marcus Freeman seems to be trying to create as far as just competitive, being competitive and getting people on the field is the same thing that exists at Alabama, like Jalen Waddle, screen popper. But Jalen Waddle wasn't getting major snaps. No, no, but he, no. But he elevated special teams immediately. 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 He was immediately. changing field position immediately. Devontae Smith, yo, you didn't hear his name. It was freshman year, but here he comes in overtime of the national championship game. <laughs> yeah. Who gets the call? Who gets the call on a third and 19? See, that should have been that for us, that should have been our uh Braden Lindsay, our Lawrence Keys, our, our guys like that, our yeah. old styles. That should have been our styles. So we got potential, but Tommy got a you know, Marcus Freeman's gonna put the trust in those young guys, I believe. That's why he's recruiting so hard because he wants to get his guys out there. But Tommy got a Pull that trigger now. Now, I will say this. I saw a question about someone. It was a, not a question. It was a comment. I'll say this, and I really don't want to let too much out. If you are hoping that the O-line coaching situation trends up and that Marcus Freeman makes the right hire, I'll put my money on – that everybody in this chat watching and that myself and Malik are going to be extremely ha happy with what happens immediately after the Fiesta Bowl. I'll leave it at that. That's right. Extremely happy. Extremely. I think, I think Malik knows what I'm talking about. I think Notre Dame fans are going to be extremely happy with what happens with the O-line coach at Notre Dame. I'll get back but on track. Like this, you'll be extremely happy for the next – two to three years, and you'll be even more happy for the 10 years after that. Mm. Mm. So that's what we like to hear. I'm worrying about the O-line coach situation in Notre Dame. Yeah, we, 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 we've been building. Really, we've been building. It's looking really, really good. That's, that's right. all I'll tell you, Notre Dame fans. Rest your little hearts. Don't worry. Don't give any more thought, any more worry. To the old line coach situation in Notre Dame. We didn't put them seeds in that ground. You can put that to bed. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's that's going that's going to be all good Love in a it. short few days. See, that's gonna elevate Tyler's play. 
Oh, I, think gonna, I think that's just going to help Tyler adjust faster and whoever the quarterback they want to, you know, recruit. But I think Tyler will have a better uh, a better role field for him yeah. when he go out there and operate. Yeah, and that is a perfect segue into talking about what Notre Dame's offensive line is going to be facing. Going up against the Oklahoma State defensive line, they can rush the passer. As I said before, they don't have speed rushers. They have more power rushers. But you can't get outside of them in the run game. And I look for Logan Diggs and the running backs. Uh, your major concern yesterday that you stated on the show would be Notre Dame's running backs and how they assist the O-line because you think Oklahoma State early on is really going to come after Jack Cohn and the Notre Dame offense. Yeah, you know, with an experienced O-line like that, they're they're probably sitting in the meeting room saying, yeah, we're going to get after this statue. We're going to make him move around, get him flustered early. And so I'm expecting to see some blitzes that we probably haven't seen through the year, maybe one or two of their special blitzes early mm-hmm. to let them know that we're trying to, they're trying to get back there. And I think for Jack, getting the ball out of his hands quick knowing his outlets, uh, Tommy's going to give him those options to, for him to have. And if we can survive that storm or that first quarter mm. with the D-line at their their peak energy where they're just tagging off the line, if we can handle that first storm, I think by the second half we'll get them tired and we'll finish them by the fourth. Yeah, I agree totally with that. Now, I'm sure they're going to come out with the way they've looked, you know, all – Christophic, Patterson, Madden, Love. Blake Fisher's back in the mix. Mm-hmm. Looking good in practice. Probably going to get some snaps. I'm very interested to see. More, more than likely, he's going to get snaps on the interior when they bring him in. Yeah. Hopefully, I, I hope is that right guard. <laughs> if you had to replace one, I think that's the one to replace, though. Well, would you? I mean, would you dare replace a fourth-team All-American, though? Couldn't do that one. You, you would no. You can't replace an All-American fourteen. <laughs> I don't know what the hell Phil Steele and his staff were thinking. Yeah, I didn't even know you had a damn fourteen. <laughs> so, so I'm very interested in seeing, especially in the running game, what they change. I don't think with this offensive line that you have, even though they've gotten better. I look for a lot of jet sweeps and misdirection early from Tommy Reeves because you know how aggressive Oklahoma State's going to be with that defensive line. They want to get after the quarterback. So Yeah, I mean, it just depends. You know, I was thinking about that earlier. If anything, with a young running back home and linebackers that aren't quite as talented as the guys we got running the football to be tackled, I think early on they hit them straight in the mouth. I think we go straight downhill, especially with Diggs, run between them tackles to, to let them know that we, we're Notre Dame too and make them linebackers fill those holes. I think that's the easiest way to, to start the game. If we start trying to run outside and do all of that stuff, I think the youth and the unexperience of the running backs will show they might get stretched out and not not cut up field or 
read the holes right on stretch plays or maybe not be patient enough. Yeah. So I think early on some downhill running wouldn't do us wrong just because I think we're a bigger line. So we can probably push it fall forth about three or four, then hit some play action off of it. But I think if we start going side to side against a veteran team like this, they're savvy enough to avoid some some blocks and make some tackles behind the line of scrimmage. And if we're playing behind the line of scrimmage like second and 12 or a third and eight yeah. or a third and 15, that's not a good recipe for Jack against a defense like this. And if we pull – if we pull anybody, make sure we're pulling Kristaps. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It has to be so. If we're pulling, we're running right and pulling the left left tackle and left guard because I don't want to do. No, I've seen the right guard pulling, and that gets blown more, more than likely. That's going to get blown up. It's blown up, or somebody. Fought. Yeah, it's just a it's a a long developing play for offensive line is still trying to get his experience in there. Yeah. You know, unless we had like Blake Fisher somehow coming out there pulling, but you know, we'll we'll wait on that. We got years to come for that. And Oklahoma State loves the DE, you know, the DT stunt. Yeah. And because they're a power <laughs> rush, that gives me concerns once again with our interior. Like our yo, interior, just push the pocket. Yeah, Jack needs that back pocket that you see on the jeans. He needs that. Like, he needs that. Like if you if you get a collapsed pocket, Jack is gonna collapse immediately. It's gonna turn into sweatpants, man. man. Then you're in trouble. It's definitely gonna turn into sweatpants. <laughs> so I'm worried about their interior being able to hold up. Now the run game is one thing, but then that passing game. We need them to be – because really it's been the speed rushers that have given mm-hmm. Notre Dame a lot of trouble this year. Yeah, definitely the speed rushers. And that's only because they know we have to pass, so let's avoid being in obvious pass situations. That means we're going to have to run that ball. We're going to have to slow the pass rush for play action. This is a very Wisconsin style of game offensively that mm-hmm. we need to have against a defense that's high energy and that flies around with speed. We're bigger, so we need to act like it. And this is a great opportunity for Jack. This is what we, we got him for. We didn't get him to run a, a air raid, Texas Tech, throw it all over the place. We got him to manage the game, give me some four-minute drives, hit them one-on-ones off to the play action, and, and, and not get affected by the, the hype of the game. That's just, I think this is the perfect game for him to cap off his wonderful season, 13-1. and one. Hopefully, as a starter, and um, we'll see you somewhere in the backup league. This <laughs> <laughs> is a nice pension in about two or three years. No worries. This is the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm your guy, Sean Davis, the SD2 Mics, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik, featuring and presented by Honora Whiskey. Go to honorawhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey. Don't forget our Fiesta Bowl ticket giveaway on Friday's show. Subscribe, share, like. Let everybody know, get involved, go purchase a bottle of Anora whiskey and enter yourself into the drawing that will take place on Friday. People are dying laughing about that sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yeah, he's definitely gonna be sweating with his pants. Yo, LL Nation, I'm not, I promise you, I'm not trying to tease you. I just, yo, I can't be official right now. But what I know, and 
I, I gave you really Anything good. You clues. need to know. I think I gave you really good clues. That's okay. Right. Short That's term, right. Notre Dame's going to be set up. Long term, Notre Dame's going Notre Dame's to be, be set, up. set up. So stop worrying about the offensive line coach situation. That's You're right. Good. Now, if you want to worry about Dale Alexander, <laughs> whether or not he's retained. Wait and see, only like time to tell. yeah, only time. We have to wait and see, like everybody else. And look, the name that you guys are throwing about in the chat, if that is indeed the name, no, that name is not going to make it 10 years, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, which is why I said short term and then long term. term. That's right, there is, there is a plan, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, let's see. All right, we have special guests coming up momentarily. And so before we get our special guests on, bro, you know, each and every day, we have to do it for the people. So yes, we do. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic? Yo, you know what time it is? Yep, yep. Petty Junction. Each and every day. Petty story of the day. Look, I'm tired of Nick Saban, man. I gotta throw Nick Saban on the petty train. And the reason Why I have that? to throw Nick News came out late yesterday afternoon that all ACC running back transfer from Georgia Tech, Jameer Gibbs was transferring to Alabama. Look, man, first Eli Riggs from LSU. First. Now this kid from Georgia Tech, who's a difference maker, three mm -hmm. popper. This transfer portal, it, it ain't it. <laughs> it ain't it, man. It's not going the way we, it should go. I'm sorry, man. I'm getting tired of Nick Saban abusing his transfer portal already. I got to put him on, have to put him on the petty train. You said, you said that you tied it. So it, it seems like Alabama's using it so effortlessly. Yeah, let's just grab a top NFL corner in the future. Let's just grab a top running back that we're going to make known nationally after next year when he comes to us. I mean, you know the good, the bad guys can use the same resources too. Now, man, <laughs> they like, just making they just making it. <laughs> they making that transfer portal look real transferable. I mean, Nick Saban man. is not wasting no time, and it's petty because you would think it would help other teams get better. It's just making the good teams eat better. That's crazy. But, but you know what? You know what's even worse? Let's go ahead and be honest about it, bro. They've been talking to that dude all season. Oh, they had to. Heck yeah. See, they that's the thing to. about this transfer portal now. You had teams like Ohio State and Alabama 
just watching film on other teams. That's like what their analysts do. Go find the best players on the worst teams so we can talk to them about transferring, like, immediately after the season. And that's the thing, too, because it's like, okay, you know their scouting department is for real because they're running down the hallways when they see the right people getting that transfer portal. I didn't even know Eli Ricks was in it long enough before right. I heard he was going to Alabama first thing. So you know they've been talking the whole season. <laughs> they've been, absolutely, they've been talking to that dude the entire season. They had to. <laughs> oh, man, that's, so that's it, it. We need to. We need to definitely, because Alabama has already started to be up to no good, start putting in them tampering rules like the NFL and the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> so, yo, that's the petty story today, man. I had to put Nick, Nick Saban on the petty train because what they're doing and how they're abusing everything right now is crazy. So now we bring in our special guest to the Lucky Lefty podcast. We're welcoming for the former Notre Dame wide receiver. And now he's in the minor league sure, system sure, for the sure. F Angels. Tori Hunter Jr., welcome to the Lucky Lefty podcast, my brother. All right, y'all. I'm kind of, I'm kind of hearing y'all weird right now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to fix this, man. Oh no, oh no, we got to get him in there. T Hunt, welcome to the show, man. Some slow motion right now, man. I don't know what's going on. Technology's trash. At least you know we got him in the building, Lucky Lefty Nation. We done got our guy in the building that he's been talked about so much. He's in another sport, man. This guy is everywhere now. Hold on, hold on. Man, why can't I hear? It's like in slow motion. Y'all like talking with deep voices right now. I don't know what, what's going on. That's that old not bring out the Jerry Whites yet. <laughs> hold on, I'm going to come right back. I'm going to come right back. Right All right, cool. Okay, cool, cool. So we'll keep chopping it up until Tori gets back in. So, Malik, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you talk about T-Hunt? I'll tell you the first thing that comes to my mind, and it's not good, but go ahead. <laughs> Man, the first thing that comes to my mind is that Tory was really like a 1C. He really was a number one receiver in a land where we had number one receivers at the time. Like, he was like, Tory Hunter was like the PSP before his time. Like, it was just, we didn't, we didn't really know what to do with it yet. Because it was just too, it was too ancient. It was like, what is, well, how are we supposed to use this thing? You know, how are we supposed to put this and get the best out of it? So Tory was the PSP of my time in Notre Dame. If any player was that guy, it was Tory Hunter. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> First of all, we just want to ask how you doing, man. How are you doing? How's the family? Oh, man, I'm good, man. I, y'all, I just finished working out, actually. Uh, but, yeah, family's good, man. I uh, My my son's about to be four on Saturday on Christmas. Oh, uh, Christmas, baby. And then I have an uh, 11-month-old daughter. She was born in January, so she'll be one next month. Oh, my uh, So... And it's been it's been crazy. I just been enjoying fatherhood, enjoying being a husband, and uh, just trying to continue to pursue my career. That's really the biggest thing. You don't have to tell me, bro. That 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 baby girl is different. Oh yeah, it's different. Yeah, I, I tell I tell my wife, you can have my son. Daughter's my <laughs> daughter's my. She she light up every time she sees me. My son, you know, he he's still attached to his mom, to yeah. his mom. So 
Uh, that's how it is. I, I understand that, but it'll yeah, switch. Man, I, it'll switch when you get older. Yeah, my my daughter, man, she's she's everything, though. So, how were you excited about everything that transpired with the hiring of Marcus Freeman and, and the energy it seems to have uh, brought or infused into the program? Oh uh, man, I I'm excited. I'm excited about the the Freeman era, man. I think uh, I think he's a, a a really good fit. I think he's uh, the guys love him. I think you know they they run through a brick wall for him. I mean, you see that the first week he was announced the uh, the head coach. You know these dudes are rallying around him. The recruits are rallying around him, and that's that's the biggest thing is that these recruits, you know, believe in him, and they haven't even been able to, you know, be, be under him as a head coach. So uh, that, that tells a lot to me about, you know, the type of that he is, the type of coach that he is and, and how much he cares about this program and the team and the, uh, and his players. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I think he's going to do a great job. I think uh, all that matters is, you know, I mean, the players are going to be behind him. So that's, that's number one. They're going to believe in anything that he says and uh, that he just got to lead in the right way. So I think that's the biggest thing. And you think about that, too. I mean, Coach Freeman has done a great job in recruiting athletes. We talk about purebred athletes, positionless players. That's why I call you the PSP, because you were a positionless player. You could have been yeah. anywhere on the field at that time. But what do you yeah. think goes into being a, a two-sport type of athlete? Like, How do you build that type of prototype? Because like, you're in a whole new career still doing a, a, a sport, but it's a different kind of sport. So what goes into that? dual sport positionless kind of athlete or what does it take to be like that uh honestly i mean i never really uh specialized as a kid uh, you know what i mean like i was never just a football player i was never just a baseball player like i literally i played football basketball baseball like year round so it was just like one sport after another so i never really specialized but i was very athletic and i was very like good at knowing where my body is in space and like Obviously, baseball is a little bit more skilled sport, but, you know, like, I was just out there being an athlete, honestly, and uh, just because, and I tell I tell a lot of parents that I talk to now, it's just like, you know, you know, where we, you know, might hurt our kids is like, you know, we specialize them in this one thing, and, and now they can't really go out and do, you know, all the other sports are like, because like, I, for me, I tell people all the time, I feel like baseball players are like, the best dudes to be able to like, if they need to go out and like look like they can play football, they could probably go out there and look like they can play football. Or a lot of these baseball players can hoop, bro. And they go out there and they look like they can hoop. But it's just because they, a lot of times I feel like these baseball players, especially at the pro level, they were, they were quarterbacks and they were like basketball players in high school and they played all these other different sports. Uh, so I think that just makes you a better overall athlete in general is just to go out and just play a bunch of different sports, soccer too, bro. Just go out and play different sports, and I think it sets you up for like. There's a lot of transferable skills between the sports if you go out and play a play a lot of different ones. So, yeah. So in retrospect, when you look at your time at Notre Dame, is there something you wanted to do that you feel like you never got the opportunity to do? As far as maybe maybe going to a different position or just getting more opportunities on special teams, return game, things like that. Yeah, man. I think. Uh, you know, I, I do wish that I, I was able to, uh, you know, I guess show, showcase my talents more. I think, uh, you know, finally my senior year, I was able to, uh, 
you know, kind of step into that role. But I, unfortunately, I got hurt that first first game of the season, my senior year. But uh, you know, I was I felt like I was somebody who could play literally any position you wanted to put me in. I felt like I knew, you know, I knew the playbook well enough that you could throw me anywhere. And if you needed to get that first down or you needed that big play, like I felt like I could have been that person. Uh, and it, it kind of just didn't feel that way after a while. Like it would be, you know, like the first part of the game, you know, I feel like everything was scripted and they would try to give me the opportunities. And then after that, it would kind of like go by the wayside. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like those, those first couple, those first, you know, 25, 30 scripted plays, it was like, you know, it was like clockwork. And I was like, all right, you know, I can cook this dude all day if you want me to. Like, but you know, I kind of got to a point where we kind of got away from it. And now I'm like, damn, like, what happened? Well, what? Yeah, you know what I mean? What happened? So, um, but I mean, looking back, you know, I, obviously I wish I could have, could have had a, a little bit more opportunities. I felt like I was, you know, working hard enough to put myself in that position. Uh, just, you know, working to learn the playbook and, and give myself the best opportunity to, to see the field as much as I could and create as many opportunities as I could. But uh, yeah, it is what it is, man, you know. And talk about, you know, there's a huge difference now. The kids talk about it, that the practices are way more competitive and it's way more things going on. I don't think people understand the difference that I was trying to tell Lucky Lefty Nation about our practices at Notre Dame under Kelly and what they're seeing now. Just talk about why do you, like, why you thought the energy was low on some games coming out. And I thought I always say it was because of the practices were just low energy. But people don't believe me. <laughs> Yeah, um, it did. It felt like it was uh, like a kind of going through the motions uh, of, you know, just like, hey, we do this on this day, do this on this day. Everybody kind of knew where they needed to be. Like, it was just kind of like, I don't know, it was just thing you just, it was like a mundane thing, like a mundane routine of, you know, what the practices look like. Uh, yeah, like everybody just, like, you didn't even have to look at a play, like a, a practice <laughs> sheet. You just like, after this, you got one-on-ones. After this, you got 88s. After this, you got whatever. And it was just like – and it was the same thing on every day, which, I mean, you know, I, I get it to a certain extent of just, like, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, everybody knows what's going on. But I think there was only a few competitive periods in that in that practice to where it was like – Even you know, worth going really, out there. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it was one-on-ones and then – you know, we talked trash for like 10 minutes and then uh, 88's kind of like it was like a touchy-feely type thing. And, um, but I don't know. And you got it was team just, at the end and that was about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> and team was at the end, yeah. So it was kind of like, I think I focus was more on like trying to understand the game plan rather than just going out there and competing, if that makes sense, you know? It was like, That's right. we really going to just try to hone in on, you know, what your assignments are and, and everything like that. But I think we did miss that kind of like, I don't know, just that dog attitude, you know, just like go out there and like, I don't even care. Like, it don't matter who I'm lining up across from. It's like, you just going to get dominated, yeah, bro. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, we're on your ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's, I feel like we was kind of missing that. But it is what it is, man. We had the athletes, bro, I think, in my opinion. We had the athletes to go out there and, and, uh, and win a national championship. But unfortunately – that's what it is. <laughs> Lucky Lucky Podcast with special guest Tori Hunter Jr. joining myself, Sean Davis, and Malik Zaire. Um, you just talk about that. So 
you guys had the athletes. You felt like you had the talent to win a national championship. Is there one particular game for you that sticks out that you felt like, man, if we had just won this game, that would have been the game that really got us over the hump? Uh, shoot. Florida State, our sophomore year, and then Clemson, our junior year. Mm. I think those two games were like just it very just pivotal, like just pivotal, <laughs> pivotal moments in our uh, in our you know college careers, man. I think you know we win those games like literally. It's you know a goal line stand in the Florida State game, and same thing in that in the other game we could have uh, tied it up uh, in the Clemson game. We went for the yeah. two point conversion, but you know what I mean it's like. Those are those are literally like marginal like losses that we had, and I feel like it definitely could have turned the tide for our season. I think you know dudes would have kind of I don't know. I mean, it just would have we changed were able to, the feel, man. It would have yeah, it just would have it just would have changed the vibes of the, the rest of the season. I think people were because you know we already I feel like put pressure on ourselves not being in a conference, you know. So we were tr like the goal every year is to win out. Like that's the like we know that's the only way they're really gonna try to give like give us our respect is if we went out. That's so right. that was the that was the biggest thing for us is like we gotta win out, bro. Like, and so after that, I feel like it did kind of take a a hit to morale a little bit. But I think we were like I said, our junior year, like I feel like that was the most talent we had, and, yeah. and I think that was it. That was the year that we were supposed to do it, man. And because uh, we were able to still bounce back from that Clemson that Clemson loss, and we still kind of. You know, it was right in position. Kept, kept playing, you know, and then that freaking Stanford game, bro. The, at the end of the season, it's like, bro, how do you like give up a third and however long it was? Like it was like forever, and they got the first down, and we just yeah. It's like yeah, a I mean, like I said, it is what it is, bro. But looking back, those are probably the the two losses where I was like, you know, if we if we win games, I think the the vibe is is different moving forward, and uh, I think we would have. Uh, giving ourselves a better shot but yeah man it's it's wild to think about you know i i'm, I'm in a, a different stage of life and so i try not to think about it too much but it's like bro like we should hard not we should have we should have won one bro we should have won at least one or at least been in a, in, in in the in conversation like his college bro, football you know history mean? would be a little different if we was able yeah. to pull those two games off i think exactly the same way. Uh, Jokingly, I always tell Malik, you know, if you ever bump into Deshaun, you got to have your trash talk ready. Like, if you ever see him out in L.A., like, what are you going to tell him? You got to tell him if you had played in that game, fill in the blank. Different. Like, you're a little oh, different. Deshaun uh, Elliott? No, I, I, I was always tell Malik, like, if you bump into Deshaun Watson, you oh. always have to have something to say. Like, if you know your whole he career would be different if I had played in that game. Yeah. Nah, he definitely nice. he definitely knows a little bit, but you know it's yeah. good, it's good to even bring up this story because it's also crazy. Yeah, that boy elite. It's also crazy about this nil thing, and I really want to get your take on Ooh. what the nil is now and how it could have affected you with baseball today and building your brand back as a football player at Notre Dame. Bro, I mean, <laughs> bro, dudes, I mean. Even more than I make right now, like, like in, in college, bro. Let's be honest, bro. Like, and I was like, bro, if I was in college, bro, I would have utilized the heck out of some NIL, bro. I been That's right. That's hitting right. up brand out, bro. You know what I mean? Like, 
create the brand? Yeah. Why you, why you got Dame? the star power? Why you got the star power, bro? He might as well create the brand and, and go with it, bro. But uh, yeah, bro. I, yeah, how is it? How is it working for you now? Is it? Do you feel like you're behind the eight ball now that you're in the professional life in baseball, trying to do the same type of things? Uh, behind eight ball. I mean, I think that. You know, I mean, especially being in the minor leagues, it's like a little different. So you're not really in the limelight like that. Whereas, mm. you know, if I would have took the the football route and I would have came back and I would have tried to go to the NFL, like once you're in the NFL, like you're in the NFL, bro. So like you probably yeah. got a little bit more star power than, uh, you know, if I'm in the minor leagues and I'm playing in Alabama and Iowa and, you know, you know what I mean? Like I'm playing these random yeah. places, but, uh, you know, it's a little tougher, so I'm kind of riding that Notre wave a little bit. But I mean, that's a brand that's not really ever die. So you know, it's it's cool to <laughs> kind of ride that ride that wave. Yeah. But uh, yeah, bro, it's uh, I mean, yeah, bro, you, I mean, you're definitely behind the eight ball because yeah, now I think about bro, yeah, you're behind the eight ball, bro, because these dudes, these dudes are capitalizing right now, like right now, dudes making fifty right k a year. Yeah, yeah being a uh, being a subway a subway ambassador, <laughs> bro. Fifty k, like, come on, bro. Now these I dudes, did. These also, dudes gonna be know, set, bro. I had to. I had to do a little digging. I had to refresh myself on the Toy Hunter experience of high school, and I did see you had that offer from Alabama. Now, what made you think Brian Kelly was so goaded that you chose Notre Dame over Alabama at that time? <laughs> <laughs> you're annoying bro uh so <laughs> so uh yeah bro i think i think it was bigger than it was bigger than kelly bro honestly so um you know my really my only experience with alabama was you know the the receivers coach i think it was grow coach grow or something like that mm-hmm. at the time and uh he comes to you know he comes to my school and he's uh He's sitting there, you know, watching practice kind of off in the cut. And then after after practice, my head coach comes over and he's like, hey, like somebody wants to talk to you in the office. So I go to the office. It's him. And he has like, you know, national championship rings on his fingers. So he's just like, you know, talking to me like, da, 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 da. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like, what's up? You see. All right. I, yeah. You know, I, I see. Like, I see, what, I see what you're doing, bro. Like, whatever. And he was like, look. He said, you know, let me not, let me not tell you, uh, you know, how much – you know, Alabama wants you, da, da, da. He's like, let me get Nick Saban on the phone. So I'm like, oh, my God, bro. Like, it's Nick Saban, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you starstruck at this point. Like, even as a recruit, you starstruck. You're like, dang, it's Nick Saban, bro. Like, whatever. So he calls Nick Saban, and Nick Saban's like, you know, hey, we really want you at the University of Alabama. You can play both sports here, da, 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 da. And I'm like, I didn't get you. The, the both sports didn't get you? Hey, that ain't Damn, bro. Hey, I, bro. And I t- <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, initially, I was like, bro, like, this is Alabama. I just got Alabama. the biggest offer. This is the biggest offer you can get, bro. Like, everybody wants Bama. Yeah. So I got, you know, it's the biggest offer you can get. So so I got Bama, bro. And then, I I mean, I sat down and thought about it, bro. And you got to think, they're going to – they churning out five stars, bro. And so let's say – I get I got hurt in in high school, so my career might look totally. I might not even, you know, if I, if I was uh, verbally committed to Alabama and I get hurt in that All American game. Yeah, like you'd be Deion Sanders. You would have you would have took a couple years off. 
you know, you would have went and played baseball and then came yeah. back. But know? yeah, you know, what would that what would that have looked like, bro? My career would have probably looked completely different if I was committed to Alabama. And you know, yeah. where they churning out five star receivers like every year and you know, NFL receiver after NFL receiver. And if I go in there hurt, it might look totally different, bro. Like Yeah. You know what I mean? Like instead of me being able to my sophomore year, I might have two years of you know, me not seeing a field before I can even get an opportunity. That's right. So I was, and I was like, look, if I can, if I get hurt again, I gotta have an education, bro. So, you know, it, it was, it was. So getting hurt kind of made the, the realization of the, the, the pick of schools a little bigger for you. You was like, well, damn, you know, that getting hurt thing. Yeah, getting hurt get real, real fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bro. Cause I mean, I was before I got hurt, but that had already been, you know, playing in my head, like, you know, if, if I do get hurt and I go to Alabama, like, what would that look like or or whatever? So, but if I go to Notre Dame and I got a, a hella good degree, you know, that I might, you know, play in my favor. And they talked and they, you know, bought or they sold me on the, the four year, 40 year decision, not a four year decision. And I'm, damn. You know, <laughs> damn. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Whatever. So, uh, I was like, that makes sense. But, uh, that's I had a I had a different mindset at that time, but I think I had a different mindset than a lot of recruits. Yeah, uh, you was thinking you was thinking of the wholesome the wholesome PC answer. Yeah. you weren't thinking I, about that money, man. Nah, yeah, nah, I wasn't. I wasn't. Which I mean, uh, it's, it's it was deeper than that. Like I said, bro. straight up, straight that. up. So once again, Lucky Lucky Podcast special guest Tory Hunter Jr. joining us. Uh, you talk about Alabama. And the Nick Saban conversation that you had before you came on, we have a segment called the Petty Train, and we we put Nick Saban on the Petty Train for how he's just rating and using the transfer portal to they get all the five stars, and then he goes and gets the best guys in the transfer. We all see just like, dude, like come on, man, we got to put a stop to this. The way things are now with the transfer portal and kids immediately being able to leave the school and get on the field without having to wait a year like it previously was, how has it changed college football and do you think it's for the best? Dudes are free agents every year. Like, um, it's, it's wild. Like, it's wild to think about. So, uh, you know, whereas before, dudes, would, you know, it would be a little bit more strategic about, you know, whether they want to leave or whatever, but dudes are just out. Now, like, if they go a year without starting, it's like I'm out. I'm gone. I'm going to find another team, and it's like, and these dudes are courting them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think I was at first. I was like, all right, it might level the playing field. You know, like it'll give teams opportunities to like, you know, get other players, whatever, whatever. But I don't know, man. I, I just think it's it's crazy because like that decision that you make in high school doesn't hold any value. You know, yeah, like, before, <laughs> like, like before, like before it was like, you know, you make this decision. It's like, all right, I'm going to stick with it. Like it's a life changing decision. Yeah. I, I got to stick with it. It's like, this is the decision that I, I made. So I got to live with it. But now it's like, I just try it out. I'll see how the first year go. If I don't play, I'm out. Like it is what it, it is. is. Or, or you tell a coach like, Hey, I'm gonna go try out such and such. But if you don't look at I'll holler at you. I holler at you about six months, like you know what I mean. Like I don't know, like I don't know, I don't know how it's going, bro. But dudes are just transferring, right? And it's wild, but I, I don't know. I think it's 
it might be tough for the integrity of the game. I think it's I think there's no loyalty to like the universities anymore. I think it's just like where can I go and make the most money? Where can I go and uh you know hopefully play if I don't play I'm gonna just leave. Like I don't know. You know what I mean? There's no like like this is my school. Like, you know what I mean? This is my yeah. school, this is gonna be my alma mater, like whatever. Like it's not there's really none of that I feel like anymore. I think it's it's given it's given a lot of power to the players, honestly, I feel like. But is what I mean. It might be good. It might not. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see time goes on. It's definitely getting crazier with the rules coming out. And like you said, it's, it's putting more onus on the coaches. They can't be liars anymore. <laughs> Bro. <Yeah. laughs> yeah. But I do, I do have to ask you because we have you on here. You were in the room. You were around the team. You saw what was going on in the country at the time while you was on the team. What's the biggest the biggest misconception about the receiver room at Notre Dame? We're not given the credit of the Ohio State receiver rooms. We're not given the credit of the Alabama receiver rooms. But you were in that receiver room while we were there. And I felt like we were up there with those guys at that point as well. But what is the outside perception or the misconception people are having about that receiver room? I don't know. I think that just, you know, we're not we're not flashy. You know what I mean? Like we're not like like we score a touchdown, people just toss the ball. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, like we're not going to, like, sit there and, and gritty, you know, and do all these other things. But I think uh, I think that we were always a solid core. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know what I mean? Like, we, we were going to make plays, like, which we did. I feel like we made plays. Like, and we all we would always that that one guy who was, you know, the, the number one receiver or whatever. But I think that we were definitely a, a strong receiving core. I thought that, uh, you know, we, we were going to make plays. But like I said, I don't think we were flashy enough to be in the news every week. Uh, I just think we were doing our business. We were about our business, and it just is what it is, you know? So we got to add swag to the recruiting of the receiver room is is yeah. where we make the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's probably – Cause like we we weren't like I said we weren't in the news every week, bro. Like we weren't yeah. like I said we like Corey Robinson catch a ball. What he gonna do? <laughs> he can't, gonna toss can't, you, you can't use Corey. Corey man. You can't use but Corey. Corey, man. Corey Corey making a crazy play though. Like he gonna dunk on somebody. He gonna toe tap on the side. Like bro, these are crazy plays. But he just gonna catch the ball and hand it to the you know do a light little helmet tap and then take it back to the side. <laughs> Where somebody else might mess around and spike the ball, run to the sideline, dance to the cheerleaders, and then, like, be on TV. But, like, Corey just made a hell of a play. <laughs> but he just made it seem like, ah, you know. I, yeah, I yeah, he damn near, like, went back to business as usual. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think, yeah, that's kind of how we were, bro. I don't know. We just took care of business, and it was like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. But, whatever. yeah, I think swag. I think swag of – I think swag will make that look like – you know, a little bit more enticing for a lot of these recruits because that's what they want. They want to do TikToks and stuff and they score. So. Yeah, it would be tick. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, man, we thank you for joining us. Tell us a little about where you are now, and you're in Double A right now. And tell us about how the progress is going, how you're developing. I know you feel like you know, first and foremost, defense is like your strength, your your range in the outfield. Just talked about 
how you become a much better hitter at the plate and how you're progressing and how things, how quick can we, how soon will it be before we're able to come out, get tickets? And start copying jerseys. I want to copy jerseys. Old Tony, man. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm, I'm slowly progressing. Uh, obviously, uh, I didn't play a whole lot at Notre Dame, uh, baseball wise. Um, but uh, pro baseball was, has been a different animal. Uh, but I've, like I said, I've been slowly developing, slowly, uh, you know, becoming a better player, becoming a better hitter at the plate. Uh, yeah, man, and I'm just trying to learn and. Uh, learn as much as I can every year. Uh, showed a little bit more power uh, this past season. You know, I had like eight home runs, which is like double. I had, I was like double uh, my minor league career. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I had like eight homers last season. And, uh, you know, just becoming more of a, a baseball player rather than like a football player that's just like using his athletic ability. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, you know, I'm kind of knowing – Knowing the inside ins ins and outs of of my swing as a hitter, mm. uh, shoot even even defense man, there's there's little things that you can learn. There's stuff that you can learn every day on the baseball field, yeah. and uh, you know that's kind of what I'm picking up every year. And um, shoot, hopefully here in the next couple of years, bro, I can uh, get an opportunity with the team and and shoot make my debut. So um, that's the plan. I'm just keeping at it, continuing to grind and. Uh, hopefully I can get the opportunity one day, man. So I appreciate y'all having me, bro. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it on the last dance where Tim Grover said he literally had to change Michael Jordan's body to go from yeah. basketball to go to playing baseball. Like, is it is it that much different, you know, to prepare yeah. one sport than the other? Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen a football player try to swing a baseball bat? Like there's a there's a there's a tightness that comes with being a football player. So yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah, bro. So I think uh, I think you know there was a my shoulders, bro, from getting hit all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, trying to throw throw a baseball, like it was all it was all just a uh I had to oh snap I ain't got switched over. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it was all it was all a, a, a learning process, bro. And just a body building process, like being able to be loose enough to swing and throw a baseball, all that other stuff, bro. It, it took a little bit of time, but you know, I'm I'm getting there. All right, we're gonna let you get out of here once again. Thank you for joining us on the Lucky Lucky Podcast and Lucky Lucky Nation. Uh we're gonna get you out of here with this or that, all right? Okay. A game we play called this or that. You know. <laughs> Not gonna put you on the spot too much. All right. Oh snap. Mookie bets on Mike Trout. Mike Trout. You had to say that, right? You, you had to. No, no, <laughs> you no. had to say that, right? Mike Trout, the best hitter I've ever seen of all time, though. Okay. Like, I see him, I see him live, but he's like your best hitter I've ever seen. Oh, all right. Wow. Chocolate chip cookie or oatmeal race? Chocolate chip. Okay. Yeah, come on. Donda. Or certified lover boy. <laughs> oh, I don't know, bro. I, I mean, probably CLB certified. Lover yeah, boy. I know. I know he's gonna choose that. Okay. He didn't have to. He didn't have to fake Donda it. Was, Donda was like, all right, like a little bit. All right, Scherzer, Max Scherzer, or Jacob DeGrom. Ooh, it's a tough one. 
Probably Shurs, bro. Oh, really? Yeah, I like Shurs. Shurs, Shurs. Uh, Your favorite spot to eat in South Bend? South <laughs> Bend. <laughs> JJ's Fish, boy. Hey, yeah, you like JJ's, man. JJ's, boy. It's the JJ's second person to mention JJ's Fish, yo. Hey, yeah, that's JJ's, right. Hey, shout out South Bend is good. NIL, let me get the NIL, JJ. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm hitting all the local businesses for support. You know, that's how Man. you do it. <laughs> Kirby Puckett or Tory Hunter Senior? Kirby Puckett, man. I don't know who that is. <laughs> 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 hey, I don't know. That's messed up. That's messed up. But you thought I was going to say the PC answer? Nah, Kirby. <laughs> So, and we'll end it with this one because this has become like legendary, man. Because if if this ends up being 3 0, the best hooper on the Notre Dame <laughs> football team during your time. <laughs> it's a legendary question. That is a very legendary question. <laughs> we have really I mean, a lot of time. I know I used to lock Malik up. <laughs> <laughs> I used to lock up. But we got to cut the interview off early, man. I used to lock up Everett. I used to lock up Oh, my goodness. You see this guy? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I mean, if if any of those names have been called, (laughs) me. It's it's me. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I I, I don't know. Wow. (laughs) What's up? All right. That's the first vote vote we've had for anybody else outside Mike McGlinchey. Nah, bro. Nah. Was, <laughs> hey, hey, nah. McGlinchey was good, though. McGlinchey was good. He definitely's good. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. The best Hooper, though, that's wild. So hey, we had a lot of battles, man. A lot of battles at Notre Dame <laughs> football, man. Roush. Oh, Roush. Hey, hey those are it. good times, bro. Good Tory times, bro. Like, hey, bro. Tory's making it seem like you could only go left, bro. Nah, Malik was going to the cup. That's what it was. Malik was going nah, to the bro. Cup. I, don't, I don't know who you was. I don't know who was guarding you, bro. I don't know who was guarding you, but I was clamped. That's it. We need a reunion basketball game. We just need we to uh, football play. Hey, bro, pick, back just to play hey, pick it. Pick a game next year, bro. I'm coming, bro. We gonna we gonna, <laughs> we gonna have That's an annual fun. game every. We year. gonna run it. We gonna run it, bro. <laughs> pick a game. Pick a game every year, and we just gonna show up and run it. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you for playing this or that. Thank you for joining us on the Lucky Lefty podcast, man. We look forward to getting you back on the show sometime during the season. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Invite yes. me back, bro. I, I, I'm ready for it. This is fun. All right. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Yeah, no problem. Y'all have a good one. You too. Man, that was fun for Notre Dame. I received it. Oh, man, you got exposed today, bro. Man, listen, look. Tory had, Tory's nice now, too. Let's not forget. Tory's a good hooper. We had a team that could have played the varsity basketball. We could have played tennis. That football team we had at Notre Dame in them years, we could have played the whole sports catalog and been champions. So, you know, it was some tough battles, like you said. Now, I definitely cooked him a couple times. He he got some good defense, but I definitely cooked him a couple times. Oh, yo, we got some comments. Rex Mike said, hell yeah, JJ's fish. (laughs) That's right. That's right. But the fact that he bookmarked that Florida State game, which is a heartbreaker, 
Like, now, I remember that game. I was literally at dinner for my mom's birthday. And you know how I would sneak away. I re- dude, I went to the bathroom the most I've ever gone to the bathroom. I didn't I really wasn't going. I was going to the bar <laughs> watching the game, like because that was an intense game the whole yeah. the whole way through. So I already know. And so then that Clemson game, of course, you know. Yeah, heartbreaker. 2015 might be the most talented team Notre Dame's had. Ever had. Yeah. From a one to watch, like you want to watch us, not, you know, maybe not be the record. You know, we wasn't undefeated in the regular season, but from a one to watch team, we definitely was the most exciting. And you got you never got to see the full capacity of the team. Never. Because in the first two weeks, you and Torian went down. Yeah. You know what I mean? So now you got CJ playing out of position. Like if you had, yeah, if you CJ wouldn't able, even have been CJ. in the league damn near because we yes. would have never known to put him at running back. Yeah, because we had Josh and Dex, and then we had put CJ over them. Right. And it just—it's <laughs> crazy how life works, man. But you know. But once again, you put him over them because he's a guy you identify as saying, "Yo, we got to give him the ball." Give him the ball. Give him the ball. You got to give him the ball and let that speed, you know. Do his thing. Do his thing. So, man, thank you for everybody that joined us today. Uh, We talked about the Notre Dame offensive line versus the Oklahoma State defensive line. Uh, We talked about the talent that exists in Notre Dame. We heard from Mike Mickens, Chris O'Leary, talking about recruiting and positionless football. Cam Hart talking about the competitiveness of the practices and how everything has changed and how he thinks they'll be ready from the jump going into the Fiesta Bowl. And then special guest, Torrey Hunter Jr., former Notre Dame wide receiver. Thank you for joining us once again. Look forward to having them back on the show on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Don't forget, we'll be here tomorrow at the same time. And then Friday, special show. We're brought to you and featured by Nora Whiskey. Go to anorawhiskey.com and get some of that premium American whiskey. It's anorawhiskey.com. When you make the purchase, make sure you post a picture or show the receipt at Lucky Lefty Pod on Twitter or Instagram or at Overtime Malik on Instagram or at SD2Mikes. Tag us in it so you can be entered in the drawing to win the Yes the Bold tickets. The drawing will be on Friday's show. Once again, it is a Nora whiskey, that premium American whiskey. Hey, we got to go. It's a bunch of comments. Sorry we couldn't get to them. But uh, we got to back to them tomorrow, man. Yeah, we'll have to hold these over until tomorrow. Hit that subscribe, share, and then make sure you hit that like button. Hit that like button. I'm petty too, because when I see like 98% likes, I'm like, hold on, man. Somebody actually pushed on like. Like, really? That's what we're doing? Like, we're spinning different. We're too lovable for that. Yeah, you can't do us like that, guys. Can't do us like that. So, my God, Malik Zaire. We spend it different, and we hope you spend it different in your life today. We'll see you guys tomorrow once again for another episode of the Lucky Lefty Podcast. All right. Have a great day.